Our scripture this morning is John 14, 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thank you, brother. I know it's already been said this morning, but I want to say it again. If you're visiting us this morning, this congregation is genuinely happy that you're here. We're glad that you're here and we'll, we hope that you will stay around a little bit after the service and that you'll let us get to know you better. You know, it seems like every day our, our society is coming up with something new and some new reason why we shouldn't attend Sunday services. And everybody here today has set aside their affairs and arranged things so that they could be here. And that's great. There was a mother who was faced with a son who didn't want to get up and, and go. And she went into his room one morning and, and she woke him up and was trying to get him to get ready. And he said, Mom, I don't want to go today. And she was kind of shocked. She was put back because, because that's what they always did. And after she collected herself, she said, Son, I don't understand. This is who we are. This is what we do. We always go to worship on Sunday. And he said, Well, Mom, I don't want to go. And I'll give you two reasons why I don't want to go. The first reason is, that those people, they don't understand me. And the second reason is that they don't want to hear what I have to say. And his mom thought for, for a moment, and she gathered her, her thoughts. And she said, well, I'm going to give you three reasons why you need to get up and get ready, and then I'll see you downstairs. And she said, the first of all is that I'm your mother, and I know what's best. And second of all, you're 53 years old and you should know better than this. And third reason, you're the preacher and you got the sermon this morning, so get up and get ready. You know, I know it's not like that for the preachers here. I know we, we listen to our preachers and we understand them. And I'm thankful that it's not like that for me. I look forward to Sundays. I look forward to coming here and to being with all of you and hearing great lessons and learning things that will help me change my life. Be a better person. Be a more faithful person. But there comes a day that we will all be looking forward to. There'll be that day, 
just like many other days. We all have those great days that we look forward to. We're approaching Halloween, and I can remember, I can remember a time when I just couldn't wait for that great day to get here. I couldn't wait. Finally, that day came, and I got to put on the costume for real, and I got to hit the streets. I can remember a great day, the great day when my son would be born. I remember anticipating that day and looking forward to that day. And finally, all the baby showers were finished. The baby's room was ready and all the doctor's visits were over. And soon my son would arrive. And finally, when that great day came, there'd be no more midnight cravings for pickles and ice cream. You know, I'm sure that you have those great days that you look forward to. We all have those great days, right? At the first of the year, we get the calendar, and we, and we open the calendar to certain days, and we mark those days, because those days are the days that we're going to take vacation. They may be special days to us. They may be placed just right so that we, can, so that we have time to recover and relax. But we put those days on the calendar and as we work through the days and we trod through the months, and those days on the calendar start approaching and getting near, we start getting excited. And we start making reservations. We start buying the tickets. And the day gets closer and the excitement comes. And finally, finally that day comes and we're on vacation, right? It's a great day. It's a day we look forward to. We don't all anticipate the same great days, but there is one great day that every person who's ever lived should anticipate with joy. And that's the day that our Lord will return from heaven with His angels and eternity will commence. The Apostle Paul wrote about this to the Thessalonians. And in the first book of Thessalonians, he wrote to them in chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, he wrote this, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another, he said. I like the idea of meeting the saints who have preceded me and the saints who come after me. I like the idea that Paul says, we'll meet them in the clouds and we'll be with them and meet the Lord in the air. And I like the idea that Paul talks about, we know from that day on, we won't be separated from them and we'll always be with our Lord. But I like the idea that he talks about in verse 18 because that idea in verse 18 applies to us right now at this very moment. When he said, therefore, comfort one another with these words. The day of Jesus' return 
is meant to be a comforting day for humanity. It's meant to be a day that humanity looks forward to, and it will be the day that everybody who eagerly anticipated that day, everybody who looked forward to that day, and everybody who prepared for that day will start to experience all the joy, all the delight, and all the bliss that heaven has waiting for God's children. But for those who aren't prepared for that day, those who aren't ready, those who didn't anticipate that day, the experience of that day will be something very different. And I'm convinced that on that day, those who are not prepared will suffer shock and awe like they've never experienced before in this life because of the calamity that they realize is coming upon them. The lesson this morning is not meant to be a lesson of fear. It's meant to be a lesson that encourages us to see that day, the day of the Lord for what it really is. A day to eagerly anticipate, just like we eagerly look forward to so many other days in our lives. God wants the very best for every person that has ever lived. Can't change that. That's God's nature. He wants nothing but the best for us. And if He wants us to be comforted by that day that's coming, you would think that in this book He would give us reasons to look forward to that day. And when we open the pages, we find good reasons to look forward to that day. One reason that we'll look forward to that day is because it'll be a day of regeneration. That day will be a great day of regeneration. During the past years, this congregation has had its share of those who went into the hospital. Some went in with serious conditions and some with not so serious conditions. But when those brethren of ours went into the hospital, we shared their concern. We shared their fear of the unknown. We comfort them and we prayed with them and we prayed for them. And when their health was returned and our prayers were answered, we all breathed a sigh of relief with them too. And when they came in that back door there, we gave thanks to God for answering our prayers that we had more time with those great people that we love. I look forward to seeing Bruce Shaw come rolling with his chair in those doors. But brethren, this congregation has also seen its share of brethren who went into the hospital with very serious conditions And the prognosis was very different for them. And all we could do with those loved ones was hold their hands and try to comfort them and pray with them and pray for them. We wanted desperately to help them, right? But there was nothing we could do. There wasn't anything we could do. And when that event was finally over, 
We gave thanks to God for the faithful life they lived and for the faith that comes through Jesus Christ that helped usher them into eternity. Right? But after that great day, things like that will be completely different. Paul wrote about it to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 55. And when Paul wrote about that day, he told the Corinthians that in an instant, in the blink of one eye, this body of flesh that suffers corruption, that grows old and that suffers decay, will immediately become incorruptible. And he told the Corinthians that in that same moment, this body that's subject to mortality and that dies, that body is going to become immortal. On that great day, our body will be regenerated into something higher, something better, and something that is more worthy of heaven. Paul wrote to the Philippians in the third chapter of Philippians in Verse 20, 21, he told them that that body would be fitted for a citizenship in heaven. That body that we'll have in an instant will be fitted and worthy of spending eternity in heaven. That's a great day, a great reason to look forward to that day, right? But John, who wrote the revelation to us, when John wrote in Revelation, he gave us more insight to what that body would be like. In Revelation chapter 21, he writes in verse 4, and he helps us understand some things about that body. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. In heaven, there won't be any more feelings of helplessness. There won't be grief or pain or suffering. There won't be any more viewings, no more caskets. That's because on that great day, that day we should all be looking forward to, we'll have another type of body. And we don't know exactly what that body will be like, but we know that it won't hurt us. We know that it won't decay and grow old. And we know that that body won't die. What a great reason to look forward to that day. God's Word promises us that that day will be a great day of regeneration. But the Bible also teaches us that that day will be a great day of reunification. That day will be a great day of reunification. People look forward to heaven for all different reasons. Some people say they look forward to, to being in heaven so they can get answers 
to questions that they have this side of eternity. Questions like, did unicorns exist before the flood? How many angels can really stand on the head of a pin? When that day comes and I'm reunited with all the saints of the past and of the future in the clouds and we're there together with the Lord like God has promised us and we know at that point our fate is sealed and we'll never be separated from God again. Those questions I don't think will be that important because we'll have so many around us that we look forward to meeting. The Bible talks about a lot of people, a lot of great heroes, people that we've learned about, people that we grew up with, people that helped us in this life. And because they've helped us, we've come to love them and to appreciate them. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us a lot, tells us about a lot of those people. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 16, we're told of those people that God will be proud to be called their God. And He's going to prepare a place for them in heaven. And in the scripture reading this morning, we read about that place. We read about that. And when we all join them in heaven and we enter into eternity and we're there with God, we'll never be separated with them again. We'll be, we won't be separated from them again. We'll be with them forever. And we'll be able to look up all those great people that helped us so much and that we came to appreciate. Who would you like to meet? I'd like to meet Esther. I'd like to meet Luke, the physician. There's so many people in there that we'd like to meet. But brethren, they won't be the only people who are there. There are going to be those dear friends and family who have preceded us. That we felt the pain whenever we were separated from them. You know, I haven't been at Graber Road as, as long as some of you. And I don't know all of the great saints who have gone on from Graber Road. But when that day finally comes, I'm looking forward to catching up with Norm Harnage. I'm looking forward to talking and spending some time with Lacey Smith. And I'll be really happy whenever I can find Robin Blunt and Brian Blunt and spend some time with them. I'm also looking forward to personally meeting the grandmother of my wife. A woman who raised 11 children in the faith. And many of them remained faithful until the end. And one of them gave me a wonderful wife. I never met the woman, but I'm honestly looking forward to meeting that woman someday. You know... It's fun to think about those questions that we can't get answered. Did Adam and Eve really have a belly button? I don't know. But on that day, that's not going to be in my bucket list. My bucket list is going to be 
to meet all these people that I admire and to look for those who've gone on before me and to spend time with them forever. I'm looking forward to that great day because that day will be a great day of reunification of God's people. That day will be the greatest family reunion that history ever knew. But I'm also looking forward to that great day because that day will be a great day of vindication. A great day of vindication. And I'm not talking about vindication in the sense of taking revenge on someone who's harmed me or avenging myself. Vengeance in that sense is God's responsibility. And I'll leave that to Him. What I'm talking about is vindication in the sense of justification and being cleared of all false accusations that were levied against me in this life for being a child of God. In that great day, the people of God will be justified for the life they chose and all the false accusations that were levied against them will be proven wrong. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he wrote a lot to them about that day. And and when he wrote to them, they were Christians who were suffering for all the same reasons, or many of the same reasons that we suffer. But the Thessalonians in particular that Paul wrote to, and the Christians as a whole at that time, were often targets of defamation because they rejected their polytheistic culture around them and they didn't live like the world wanted them to live. They embraced the new faith, the only faith, the faith that has the power to save Christianity. And we know that some of them were subject to libel Many of them were slandered, suffered character assassination because they refused to not obey God. All they had to do was turn to the ways of the world around them. But they refused to do that. And they were persecuted for that. They were slandered and libeled. There were all kinds of false accusations levied against them for no good reason. Paul talks about how God is going to rectify all those injustices on that great day. He writes in 2 Thessalonians. He writes to them in the first chapter. In verse 6 he says, It is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. On that great day, all of the criticism, all of the mockery, all of the ridicule that God's people have suffered will be switched in an instant to justification and vindication. Every time a child of God chose to obey God, 
and follow that narrow path that didn't fit with the world around them, we'll be justified on that day. On that great day, we'll be able to look back and we'll say, this is why I did that. This is why I lived like that. This is why I chose that life. And on that great day, we'll start to experience the results of that obedience to God. And we'll see with our eyes why we followed a path of faith in a world that was contrary or even hostile to us. It's hard to be faithful to God in life, especially in a world that's critical to you and that doesn't love God. Sometimes it's that difficulty is compounded when the criticism and the ridicule come from our friends, our neighbors, and even our family. The Bible says that righteous Noah built a giant ark. And during the years that he was building that ark, he preached to the world around him. And I'm sure that Noah's friends and neighbors and maybe even his family tried to get him to do something better with his time and with his money, right? I can imagine that some of them even had a few names for him. They may have even made fun of his family, and, and his family became the butt of their jokes. But I'm just as sure that when everything that Noah said started to come true, those people who ridiculed him, who had names for him, who, who picked on his family, I'm sure they started to rethink their opinion of Noah. When they saw with their own eyes the calamity that was coming on them because they chose to, to ignore the preaching of Noah, I'm sure they regretted those choices that they made. And when that great day comes, God's Word promises us it will be a great day of regeneration. It will be a great day of reunification. It will be a great day of vindication. But it will also be a great day of regret for some. Paul, again, he writes about this to the Thessalonians. And there in 2 Thessalonians in the first chapter, he tells them what it's going to be like when that day comes. In verse 7, he says, the Lord, when the Lord is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who did not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like all those people in Noah's time who ignored Noah's warnings, everybody after the flood who ignores God's warnings will feel terrible regret when their eyes witness the calamity that's coming before them when Jesus appears with His angels. 
But brethren, just like those people in Noah's time, there's no reason for anybody to feel that way today. God doesn't want anybody to suffer regret on that day. God wants everybody to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, you can read it for yourself. He wants everybody to be saved and He's told us in His Word exactly what we need to do to be saved. This may sound cliche, but if that day comes right now, if Jesus appeared right now, if you really think about it, if you give it some honest thought and think about it, how are you going to feel? How would you feel if it happened right now? Think about that. Would you have joy and happiness that your Lord has finally appeared in the sky? Or would there be fear in your heart? Or would you be scared? If the thought of that day happening right now scares you, you need to do something. Whether you've been a Christian for decades, or whether you've just obeyed God, if, if you're not looking forward to that day, I hope you'll do something to alleviate that fear because it's an unfounded fear. It's an unnecessary fear. And it's not a fear that God wants anybody on this world to know. There are people here who are educated in God's Word and who are ready to help you change your outlook for that day. And if there is anything we can do to help you change that outlook, we're ready to do it. All that has to happen is you just need to come forward while we're singing the song of invitation and let us know how we can help. Let's all stand and sing.